Today we're going to finish Session 74, Law of One, Session 74, received October 28, 1981. Last time we went through the first half of the session and uh, went all the way to 74.11, and the new material today starts at 74.12, and I will just repeat 74.11 because it's a very important response from Ra regarding uh, principles of soul evolution or what Ra calls the, the discipline of personality. Uh, remember that the magical personality is a term for higher self or the manifestation of higher self, the unified self, or awareness of unity in space-time, and that's uh, brought forth in white magical ritual, but also um, emerges as we uh, more and more make alignment with higher self, which really means uh, clear the pathway from the red root, red you know root chakra to indigo, from ray one to ray six. Seventy four eleven again. Don asked, "I'm trying to get at how these disciplines affect the energy centers and the power of the white magician. Could you tell me how that works?" And this is the key, is Ra's answer. The heart of the discipline of the personality is threefold. One, know yourself. Two, accept yourself. Three, become the creator. The third step, meaning become the creator, is that step which, when accomplished, renders one the most humble servant of all, transparent in personality, and completely able to know and accept other selves. In relation to the pursuit of the magical working, the continual, continuing discipline of the personality involves the adept in knowing itself, accepting itself, and thus clearing the path toward the great indigo gateway to the Creator. To become the Creator is to become all that there is. There is then no personality in the sense with which the adept begins or began its learned teaching. As the consciousness of the indigo ray becomes more crystalline, more work may be done, more may be expressed from intelligent infinity. Uh, perfect answer and um, clear relation to the seven chakra energy system and the work of complete or unified body, mind, spirit. Heart of the discipline of personality, or we can say uh, the work, the spiritual path. Know yourself, accept yourself, become the creator. Know yourself is very much uh, fifth ray, fourth ray. Accept yourself is very much fourth ray, fifth ray, meaning uh, the heart of mind, fourth ray, fifth ray, green, blue center, is very much about knowing and accepting. So to know, you have to accept. And to accept, you have to actually know. And so knowing comes uh, is wisdom leading love, and accepting is love leading wisdom. One way to look at it. And become the creator is basically um, the activation of six ray that then coordinates and integrates uh, all previous, all lower centers, one through six, which is basically mind-body, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, links with spirit. Or one to one, you know, chakras one through five could be called mind-body or body-mind. Uh, it's not that simple, but becoming the creator Ra says, makes one the most humble servant of all. H uh, humble, <laughs> not in any um, 
uh, conceptual self-definition, self-definitional way. Not I am humble, but uh, selfhood has been emptied into universality. The, the separative selfhood identity empties out and dissolves, becomes transparent, and thus selfhood um, increasingly becomes at one with universal identity, universal presence. That's the law of one, <laughs> identity. And as uh, that is done, uh, one can fully know and accept others. If you fully can know or significantly know and accept yourself, uh, you will be able to know and accept others, to see their mind, to see their mind from their face, from their eyes, from their words, from their gesture, from their body movement, from their history, from their talking, and from their silence. Very possible. Then, talking about magical working, uh, one continues discipline of personality uh, for adepts. So magical working is best done by adepts, and not everybody who's trying magic is an adept, but the adepts know magic. The adept, again, is the person who's made very significant, um, you know, lower triad clearance, clearance of blockages in chakras one through three, and a high balance activation uh, of green-blue, love, wisdom, which means accepting and knowing, right? Love is acceptance and wisdom is knowing. And uh, then, um, with high activation of indigo ray, there is coordination between um, six ray and the entirety of one through five, so the chakras one through six uh, becomes a unit. And then, that, and that, that unitive, that, that unification of mind-body with the, the heart of spirit being six ray, or the center associated with higher self, indigo ray, that is clearing the path toward the great indigo gateway. So there's indigo ray, and indigo ray is the gateway. Gateway to intelligent infinity. Intelligent infinity. The gateway is the linkage, the potential linkage between six and seven. And ultimately, become the creator is, is you know, not simply the, the unification of one through six, but it's uh, offering through the gateway to the logos or intelligent infinity or seventh chakra in seventh dimension, which is uh, the law of forever, or um, uh, uh, what is what is the source of light uh, and logoic consciousness, or heavenly Father, the one infinite Creator, and and of course that's uh, Buddha, <laughs> that's complete and perfect enlightenment. Uh, and as one continues on that way, one is no longer no longer has the sense of self or personality that one began once the path uh, with and so the sense of separation dissolves steadily and then one finds that that one is no longer who one thought one was oh fireworks action today may be a a particular um, prayer to the gods day anyway this is the path and um, one one increasingly cares not uh, about self-referentiality. Increasingly, uh, one is and is um, uninterested in self-referentiality like me and me and me, uh, referring my thought or thought 
back to uh, a separative uh, identity or subjective uh, sense of me that decreases steadily. Anyway, consciousness of indigo ray becomes more crystalline, more work is done, and more may be expressed from intelligent infinity, meaning more access to intelligent energy, sixth ray, that comes out of intelligent infinity, seven, seven down to six. The new material starts 7412. Don says, you stated that a working of service to others has the potential of alerting a great mass of light strength. Could you describe just exactly how this works and what the uses of this would be? Meaning, how is it that workings of service to others, which really means um, any kind of positive spiritual activity, meaning positively oriented meditation, uh, healing, channeling, uh, study and reflection even, or white magic, of course, can, has the potential of alerting a great mass of light strength. What does that mean? Well, actually, um, it, it's much more um, detailed than Ra first um, specified. And Ra says, there are sound vibratory complexes which act much like the dialing of your telephone. When they are appropriately vibrated with accompanying will and concentration, it, as the, it is as though many upon your metaphysical or inner planes received a telephone call. This call they answer by their attention to your working. Now, if we look at the Wikipedia page on mantra, mantra, uh, I'll give you the link here, this is where I was talking about mantras, but there, this is just a subset of um, invocation, evocation, or how uh, spiritual practice or spiritual activity, positive spiritual metaphysical activity, resonates with higher dimensional beings and forces of love light. Interestingly, there is a mathematics to mantra, and if we go down to etymology and origins uh, very briefly and come right back to Ra, Ra said, uh, <laughs> Wikipedia says, the Sanskrit word mantra or mantram consists of the root man, which means to think, or manas, mind, right? Manasic is of mind. Man, man, and tra, meaning tools or instruments. So the translation would be instrument of thought or mind tool. So a mantra is like a tool of mind. And uh, Ra is indicating that uh, we're talking about here about sound vibratory complexes, or words, and the most uh, concentrated types of words that act as telephone dialing to higher plane beings, positive beings, or negative, actually, depending and principles of uh, higher dimensional uh, logoic power, what the Gnostics call the aeons, the aeons being the powers of the pleroma, being the forces of the logos, angelic and um, non-personified, uh, as well as higher dimensional positive entities, they resonate in harmony um, not only with the mind of the speaker, in this case of a mantra, or a sound vibratory complex, um, but also with the specific, you know, the, the very specific mathematical or tonal qualities of the vibration of the of the mantra or the phrase. And so, 
this is one reason that in Hinduism and Vedis, uh, Vedic Brahmanism, Brahman, Brahmanic uh, tradition in India, is very secret uh, at the highest levels. They won't even say, they won't even tell you how you're supposed to uh, speak certain words. Because if you did, some, take, some cases are actually quite mechanical. If you simply speak certain, like, deity names or mantric phrases, and you vibrate them appropriately, which is only learned by initiation generally, higher dimensional beings uh, simply pick up the phone, <laughs> no matter what kind of state of mind you're in. And that's how black magic works. And so, but for positively oriented calling and response, or mantric uh, expression, and higher dimensional light strength alerting, it's important also to have certain kind of will and concentration. I mean, that's the case for negative too. But there are, again, some mantras that one can speak that have an automatic connection to higher dimensional force, uh, regardless of your state of mind. And then, in general, though, how clearly the connection is made to a higher dimensional being or aeonic force, force of the aeon or the octave, does does depend on um, will and concentration and intention, uh, and that's really happening. And um, some places where uh, high magic has been done uh, are charged. You know, what's called a sacred space, a sacred place. That's very real too, because the the electromagnetic atmosphere has changed uh, by the work done in that location uh, for a long period of time. Don goes on and says, there are many of these, meaning sound vibratory complexes. Don says, the ones most obvious in our society are those used in the church rather than those used by the magical adept. What is the difference in the effect of those used, say, in our church, in our various churches, and those specifically magical incantations by an adept, used by an adept? And Ross said, 7413, if all in your churches were adepts consciously full of will, of seeking, of concentration, of conscious knowledge of the calling, there would be no difference. The efficacy of the calling is a function of the magical qualities of those who call. That is, their desire to seek the altered state of consciousness desired. So, it doesn't matter uh, that a person may be using incantations in a church or outside a church is not important. Really what's important is the, the, the metaphysical condition or configuration of the one who's calling. So this is a form of calling. So mantra as a form of calling. There's also mantra use as a form of mind training for concentration. There's different. So you can say, Omane Pemehum, not seeking somebody to come and do something or add or, uh, you know, involve in my process, but uh, as a form of uh, developing concentration. And so it's easier to repeat a mantra uh, audibly than to repeat the mantra silently in mind, than to uh, follow breath by counting, than to follow breath without counting. So these are different, different objects of concentration. Mantra spoken, mantra thought, breath labeled, breath unlabeled. These are magical practices, although in Buddhism they're not 
for the purpose of making magical effect. They're done for the purpose of uh, moving towards prajna or uh, you know inside vipassana and awakening, not to try to get some entity to do something. And so the magical approach is a little is um, not where Gautama was coming from, but Mahayana and later Tibetan Buddhism got into it. But churches uh, or no church, what makes the difference is the adept or the call. Uh, the mind of the one calling and the qualities essential are will, seeking, concentration, conscious knowledge of the calling, um, and and the nature of the intention. You know, you can have a strong will and strong seeking and very concentrated mind, very quiet mind, clear mind, and knowing how calling works, conscious knowledge, and yet have confused intentions. Like, uh, I want to see if it's real or I want to uh, prove to myself that I'm capable, or I want to use this, you know, to manipulate others uh, so as to feel better about myself or something. There's all sorts of conflicted intentionality in play often, in case, including those who do channeling, uh, not necessarily clear about why they feel they need to do channeling rather than teach without bringing some entity in. So it goes on. So efficacy of the calling, how how effe- uh, efficacious or how effective a calling may be, a magical working, in terms of connecting with higher dimensional light power, depends on the magical qualities of the one who call. And so you see here, will and seeking and concentration and conscious knowledge of the calling, meaning understanding the metaphysics, these can be considered magical qualities of mind. How about that? So, will and seeking and concentration as magical qualities of mind. And those magical qualities uh, here are associated with the desire, the nature, the strength of the desire to seek or to make the calling for whatever purpose, but one purpose here is to seek an altered state of consciousness. Uh, So there are many purposes one can use mantra. There are many ways to alert higher dimensional beings or forces. There are many uses to which it may be put. And there's the infinity of um, uh, of intentionality and um, mix between um, pure uh, and impure or selfish and selfless. So uh, you got to know yourself before you get and embark on all this on on these activities. Seventy four fourteen, Don goes on in selecting a protective ritual. We finally agreed upon the banishing ritual of the lesser pentagram. I assume that this or these sound vibratory complexes are the type you speak for, you are the type you speak, or the type you speak of for the alerting of those on the inner planes. Is it correct? Ross says it's correct. And so this ritual I'm not familiar with, but they use this to purify the place or exclude or filter out negative influences. And its effect in purifying the place or keeping it from negative entity or lower astral um, influence is partly because of its effect in, or significantly, its effect in alerting a a mass of light strength or light power, higher dimensional light power, which means light love power, love light power. And that's what makes it white ritual rather than black. And so... 
uh, that ritual works. Yes, it alerts those in the inner planes, so you don't even need to know you're alerting some entities for the effect to occur. Um, but intention is critical. Don further goes on, asking 7415, if we had constructed a ritual of our own, with words used for the first time in the sequence of protection, what would have been the relative merit of this with respect to the ritual that we chose? Meaning, if you make up your own, rather than using a, an established one, what's the difference in effect? Ross said, it would be less. In constructing ritual, it is well to study the body of written work, which is available for names of positive or service to others power are available. Meaning, in constructing a ritual, or this is all white magic, it's well to, it's a good idea to study what's already been written, the body of written work, but you better know who you're studying, right? So studying Crowley's work, uh, as opposed to Israel Regardie's work, as opposed to John Dee's work, as opposed to uh, right, the emerald tablets of uh, Toth, or Hermes, or whoever, uh, you better know where they're coming from, or else you're going to find yourself on the line with some entity you don't like, or who will take advantage of you. So it's it's well to be discerning, to understand the mind and the orientation of a particular body of written work that you're studying, which then provides names of positive or service to others power that may be available. So this is like calling the aeons, calling the devas, calling higher dimensional powers. Uh, and again, in my uh, limited experience, most of the people who are involved in this um, have lower chakra blockages and therefore are uh, selfishly calling for some gain to self of power or knowledge uh, or influence or success or material gain or metaphysical potency or something. And uh, that'll put you in line with the negative entities, whether you know it or not. But, yeah, there are positive and service to others names and beings that one can connect with. But, let the buyer beware. Caveat emptor. 74.16, Don goes on, I'll make an analogy to the loudness of ringing of the telephone as the ethic, meaning efficacy, or in using the ritual, as in the efficacy of the practitioners using the ritual. Now I see several things affecting the efficacy of the ritual. First, the desire of the practitioners to serve, their ability to invoke the magical personality, their ability to visualize while performing the ritual, and let me ask you as to the relative importance of those items and how each may be intensified. And so Don does know white magical uh, practice and its uh, critical constituents. Therefore, he indicates the several elements that uh, combine uh, to uh, make a particular efficacy or effectiveness of any particular ritual. Desire to serve, meaning purity of desire for service to other. Ability to invoke magical personality, which is really um, ability to bring forth uh, higher self or aspects of higher self into space-time 3D body, mind. Ability to visualize, uh, visualization skill. 
and um, how do you know how to how are uh, to what degree are each important and how to intensify each in Ra we can see who's not going to talk too much says this query borders upon over specificity it is most important for the adept to feel its own growth as teach learner we may only say that you correctly surmise the paramount importance of the magical personality this is a study in itself with the appropriate emotional will, polarity, and purity, work may be done with or without proper sound vibration complexes. However, there is no need for the blunt instrument when the scalpel is available. Interesting answer. Now, Rob, in seeking to not infringe on law of free will, or not infringe on Don's free will to figure it out himself, doesn't speak uh, about particular ways of amping up these uh, constituents of effective ritual. It says it's most important for the adept to feel adept to feel its own growth as a teach learner, meaning grow yourself, <laughs> feel your own growth. Sure, I can feel I've grown, but uh, more so realize that you you're becoming your own master, and if you keep looking to others to tell you what to do you will uh, hobble and cripple yourself somewhat. You retard progress by continuing to seek uh, another uh, instruction from other. The kingdom of heaven is within. The magical personality is within. And so Ra is saying the paramount import, import of the magical personality means to realize, I mean, it's higher self, okay? I mean, we can use lots of words for the same, but the beingness of six chakra, six dimensional energy field is Atman, higher self, unified self, law of one, complete and whole and perfect. And access to intelligent energy, prana, chi, uh, numa, and the gateway to infinity. That is uh, a portion or, or total beingness that you are. That is the total beingness of, of our identity or an aspect of that, or an expression of totality, identity. That is, <laughs> ponder that, and that is feeling your own growth as an adept. So it's a study in itself, um, white magic unnecessary to uh, bring forth Atman. And, Ross says, with appropriate emotional will, purity and polarity, work can be done with or without words. Uh, and this is again this, this is now where we go into um, mystic path as spoken by Bailey versus occult or Buddhism Taoism Advaita Vedanta right non-magical non-occultist uh, spiritual practice and path that doesn't rely on manipulation of energies by uh, formulation of word appropriate emotional will ah so you see, the right use of will is the right use of desire. Desire is a contraction of universal will. It is very much associated with the emotional. And emotionalism represents scattered will. Uh, the emotional people, the emotional emotionalists, <laughs> those who are emotionalism, um, emotionalist, emotionalistic, have a sort of dissipated will. And Ra had said that emotion is a kind of entropic product and needs to be organized along positive or negative path. Yes. And so the negatives have to 
shackle and control emotionalism and positively oriented folks need to basically resolve emotionalism into love wisdom which is clearance of lower chakra blockage but um, there is the emotional the right use of emotional will which is um, uh, natural unforced uh, refinement of the emotional desire for total freedom total awakening total release and and total um, completed development and and realization of all we are that is also an emotional um, product although it's the purified emotion of um, the will uh, the will to complete the path the will to uh, total um, liberation moksha mukti the will uh, to 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 realize totality uh, as one's being or the beingness of totality which is to return to the creator does not require mantra or proper sound vibration complex and great work can be done without that without using words 7417 Don says, I assume that the reason that the rituals that have been used previously are of effect is that they, or these words, have built a bias in consciousness of those who have worked in these areas, so that those who are of the distortion of mind that we seek, meaning higher dimensional beings, will respond to the imprint of consciousness of these series of words is a correct, um, which is basically saying that questioning whether the reason that rituals used previously uh, are more effective than those you just make up by yourself is because the ritual or their words have previously established in higher dimensional beings and higher dimensional aeons or uh, logoic powers of the creation uh, a known association so that those who are of the distortion of mind that we seek, meaning particular higher dimensional beings who could help, or higher dimensional aeonic powers, A-E-O-A-E-O-N, aeon, the aeons, as Gnostics understood, or devas, or angelics, they know particular mantras, they know particular rituals, they've heard them before, and with the per- the right state of mind, or certain param- certain metaphysical configurations of mind, and will, uh, they respond as they have before um, to the known ritual performance or activity or words. Is it correct? Ross says, this is to a great extent correct. The accepting, the exception, is the sounding of some of what you call your Hebrew and some of what you call your Sanskrit vowels. These sound vibration complexes meaning the vowels of some of some of Hebrew and Sanskrit. These sound vibration complexes have power before time and space and represent configurations of light which built all that there is. So, you know, the root of um, Hebrew, I mean, the, the, the Hebrew alphabet is sometimes called something like letters of flame and Sanskrit too. Om and Pranava, uh, Omkar, Om. Uh, considered the primal sound, which is the sound, a sound that resonates with a logoic vibration that created the octaves. That's what we're talking about. The sound vibration complexes have power before time and space. Well, what's before time and space? 
That's before the octave. That's before um, the seven-dimensional scheme or schema or cosmos that came out of uh, the logos, the logoi. Out of the solar logoi came the octaves or the, the logoic expression of intelligent energy, love, light, light, love, gave birth to the seven rays, the seven dimensions, the seven chakras, seven energy bodies. That's time and space. That's the world, the aeon. <laughs> so before the octave was logoic intention. Logoic intention may be uh, harmonized or resonated with by certain Hebrew and Sanskrit vowels. And that's why they're kept so secret. Because anyone, if they properly do the sounding, will get in touch with multiple levels of higher dimensional power uh, and then could use or abuse um, such power. And some people love power. I used to be uh, immature <laughs> and love cities. Now I see, you know, totality of being is far higher than uh, specific uh, acquisition and usage of cities or magical powers. You know? <laughs> Infinity is much cooler than magic. So, uh, why do these sounds have this property? Ross said the correspondence in vibratory complex is mathematical. And then we're getting close to the end. It's a very fascinating study, but it shows you also that uh, the roots of Hebrew religion, the roots of Sanskrit religion, are uh, very much associated with six-density confederation instruction. Yeah, of course. Where do you think that humans figure it out? Where, how do you think Hebrew and Sanskrit was, were, were fashioned? They were fashioned by adepts and priests in touch with higher dimensional beings, either telepathically or physically, higher dimensional basically either archangelics, six-dimensional angelics, or six-dimensional confederation groups like Yahweh, the original Yahweh, not the post-Mosaic Yahweh, the pre-Mosaic Yahweh, meaning confederation six-density group. Now, did they give Moses some of the uh, early Sanskrit vowels that had that magical effect? I don't know, but it would be an interesting study. The roots of the earliest formulation of Sanskrit and Hebrew and which vowels seem to be the oldest, if you can figure that out, in um, philology or uh, linguistic, historical linguistics of Sanskrit and Hebrew. But we're talking about mathematical correspondence, vibratory correspondence, to higher dimensional energy vibrations or energy patterns. And, and then before, actually, the, the octave. So, very deep. 7419, uh, Ross said they have enough transferred energy for one more query at 74.18, giving us the last full question, exchange 74.19. Don appropriately stays with the line here and says, how did the users of these sounds, Sanskrit and Hebrew, determine what these sounds were? Right, how did this come to be? That in these two languages, it turned out that, uh, came to be that, some of their vowels uh, were resonant with a logoic, logoic mind, <laughs> the, the um, power before time and space, or configurations of light, meaning light, love, love, light, logoic power, that did build all there is, meaning build um, the seven ray octaves. How did it come about that these, um, these entrants, uh, the roots of Sanskrit and Hebrew, some of them, 
had such resonant mathematical relation to logoic power. Ra said, in the case of the Hebrew, that entity known as Yahweh aided this knowledge through impression upon the material of genetic coding, which became language, as you call it. In the case of Sanskrit, the sound vibrations are pure, due to the lack of previous what you call alphabet or letter naming. Thus, the sound vibration complexes seem to fall into place as from the Logos. This was a more, shall we say, natural or unaided situation or process. We would at this time, the final statement at 74.19, Ross says, we would at this time make note of the incident in the previous working where our contact was incorrectly placed for a short period and was then corrected. And this is talking about exercise of fire. In the exercise of the fire, you may see the initial spiral clockwise from the green ray energy center through the shoulders and head, then through the elbows, then to the left hand. The channel had been corrected before the remainder of this answer was completed. Is there a brief query at this time? And, that, and then we go to the last exchange of the session. So we're looking at Hebrew and Sanskrit. As I said, Hebrew, these sounds, these um, primal uh, vowels, metaphysical with metaphysical resonance to logoic um, power, uh, was uh, the result of sixth dimension, I would say, sixth density uh, confederation Yahweh, uh, impressing upon the material of genetic coding that which became language. So for all of you evil scientists, uh, there's some, some portion of the genetic chain, the genetic double helix, is associated with language formation. How about that? How that is, I don't know. But Yahweh, the Confederation Yahweh worked on the Hebrews around Moses, partially in counteraction or counterbalancing of the Orion manipulation that was already going on. And we can see how that turned out. And it, it was this, it was a sort of aided, Ross said, a, it was a more aided situation or process, um, which had <laughs> quite mixed results, I think. So that's interesting how genetic modification, uh, ET genetic uh, hybridization, which is really genetic modification of genetic code, can affect the roots of language formation. Then for Sanskrit, the sound vibrations are pure more pure than in Hebrew, I don't know, but certainly the, the tradition of black magic in um, India, which is alive and well, didn't uh, develop to the extent that that uh, emerged out of the Middle East uh, and Orion intervention and Yahweh counteraction in the Mosaic community. They are the formation of the Illuminati, of course. <laughs> That's the pyramid of Giza, you know, the, the 13-step pyramid and the all-seeing eye and all of that relates to um, a distortion of the original Yahweh uh, confederation, Yahweh assistance to Moses and Hebrews, uh, which was uh, submerged by um, the inroads made by Orion, uh, which co-opted Yahweh or became the false Yahweh and uh, took it over for service self purpose. But in the case of India, which has had uh, countless, really, uh, adepts 
uh, emerge from the soil and grow in the last 3,000 years. Uh, many. India is a charged environment. The, they arose in some ways partially related to this more pure development of metaphysical language or metaphysical um, language elements, the, the core elements of the language, the vowels in Sanskrit, because there was no previous alphabet or letter naming, um, I would assume this would be adepts 3,000 years ago who were receiving dictation, who were receiving inspiration uh, directly from, you know, from higher dimensional beings or their own resonance with the Logos. They basically came to um, understand mantric syllables, uh, and you can actually say that these these may well even be the traditional Hindu Sanskrit syllables associated with each of the seven rays in the in Hindu chakra iconography or chakra classifications systems of you know chakraology. Each chakra has a color, has geometric shape, and has a mantra and has a deity, which came later. But each mon each chakra has a particular uh, seed syllable in Sanskrit, like uh, the different ones. And that may have come organically by adepts who were meditating on the chakra and got the sound, and then from that uh, began, you know, uh, assembled the constituents or elements of the language. So sound vibration complexes, meaning words then later, seem to fall into places from the Logos. Probably it was from the Logos through um, a higher ashram. That was a more natural process. And then Ra just corrected the um, exercise of fire that they had spoken in the previous session incorrectly. And there's just the uh, circuitry of pranic um, movement or flow um, in doing this uh, ritual. So, that's it for session 74, and the final exchange, 7420, Don asked, is there anything that we can do to make the instrument more comfortable or improve the contact? Ra said, I am Ra, all is well. The instrument continues in some pain, as you call this distortion. The neck area remains most distorted, although the changes have been, to a small degree, helpful. The alignments are good. We would leave you now, my friends, in the love and in the light of the one infinite creator. Go forth then, glorying and rejoicing in the power and in the peace of the one infinite creator, Adonai. And so, that completes session 74. Next time we go to session 75, which is very long, and has a lot of Book 5 commentary or personal material from LNL that was put to Book 5. It'll take us at least three weeks, <laughs> probably, to go through Session 75. A lot about the exercise of fire and um, the process of maintaining the contact. And uh, very deeply we get more into Yeshua and Psychic Greeting. Uh, Orion as before and more about the channel about the chakras and white magic so this is a big session and 
goes very deep. It sort of um, takes us to the next level down. So, anyway, thank you for being here tonight. Uh, I appreciate the process, and I hope it was beneficial for you. Please take good care of yourselves, and good night.